0: Welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittum. The Rambling Runner Podcast is a podcast dedicated to all the amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And hopefully you're doing a good job of that. And today we're going to be talking to somebody who has done a wonderful job of that, uh, an amazing individual. His name is Mike Sheehy. Mike, uh, this past weekend, did the New York City Marathon, and it was part of the Abbott World Marathon Majors Series, in which Mike completed all six this calendar year. So in order, that's Tokyo, Boston, London, Berlin, Chicago, and then, as I just said, this past weekend, New York. But as amazing as that is, that is not Mike's only um, claim to fame. He's actually done a whole bunch of things that we're going to talk to him about in a second. Um... I guess the first thing to mention, and this is in no particular order, he actually was in the Guinness Book of World Records. He logged 408 miles in one week, which is absolutely insane. So that, is a, uh, that was a Guinness Book of World Records uh, feat. He actually eclipsed the old record by 58 miles, which is literally a whole day's worth of running uh, at the pace he was doing it. Uh, that helped raise over $50,000 for a colleague who had cancer, so that money went to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Mike has done a whole bunch of things. He's a U.S. Army veteran, a uh, graduate of West Point. He has scaled five of the seven summits. He's dived the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. He has done uh, the running with the bulls. He's just done an amazing amount of things. I can't wait to talk to him. Uh, This should be a great episode. Um, Before we get into it, before I give Mike a call, I also want to let you know, if you do like the podcast, you can uh, like our fan page on Facebook, where not only do I post each episode, But I send in, um, or I should say I submit, uh, is a better way of saying it, some uh, extra videos and articles that I'm reading that I enjoy. Uh, Also, that's a great place for you to potentially recommend a podcast guest that you'd like to hear from. So uh, without further ado, here is Mike Sheehy. Hello, Mike. Thank you for joining the Rambling Runner podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: This is uh this, this was a long time coming, not only because I've wanted to have you on for a while but because we just experienced about twenty minutes of technical <laughs> difficulty, so I do appreciate your uh, you're taking the time uh no worries, no worries uh as if you didn't uh, need already need your rest we're We're recording this on Tuesday night after you just had a big weekend um as I mentioned in the intro, you just completed the sixth race of the Abbott World Marathon Majors uh, Series, going from Tokyo to Boston to London, Berlin, Chicago, and now New York, which is just, it is absolutely remarkable. Uh, So how are you feeling right now?
1: I am very, very happy I was able to achieve this uh, in 2017. Uh, Like I said, super happy with everything that I experienced, all the people I met. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and just... Honestly, glad it's over because now I can take a true break from running.
0: <laughs> You've been going pretty strong now for about ten years, and I, I want to backtrack in a little bit to kind of talk about some of your uh, your history with running, and uh, even go past past that. This is uh, the week of Veterans Day, and I know you're you're a veteran. You went to West Point as well, yep. um, and I want to dive into that too. But I guess before we do, I did notice that. At some of these marathons, you actually were uh, kind of a a speaker for the weekend, and you were you were involved in the race in other ways than just running it. So how did that come about?
1: So it was great, um, and all the uh, races um, they all kind of heard my story from 2012 uh, that I attempted to do this feat back then, uh, and was thwarted you know thwarted by you know Mother Nature, Hurricane Sandy in New York City, and then. Uh, the Abbott World Marathon Majors decided to add Tokyo in uh, in 2013, which made it a little more challenging. Uh, so when uh, the race directors from the various races did hear about my story and what I was doing, uh, they wanted me to come out and talk to folks. Um, they know I have have a pretty decent running background. I'm you know a, a mid-pack kind of runner, so you know they were always excited to have me you know share my story and experiences with other runners or first-time marathoners just. To let them know that you know there are guys like us out there running that you know go through the same trials and tribulations of the everyday runner rather than all the the great elites that you see at these things who you know are running you know five minute miles and that kind of stuff, but you know there are great mid pack runners out there doing our own thing and having our own goals out there
0: that's a great point and in, in some ways, I can see you kind of uh you know connecting with that mid-pack runner because how you describe yourself and you're a better runner than that (laughs) Uh, but i can see where you're coming from but at the same time you're doing something that's equally extraordinary as some of the elites are so the runners that you were talking to at these uh expos and things like that how did they uh how did they connect with you your story and what kind of impact did you have on some of
1: these Uh, so my story is just like everyone else there's a a challenge to get into all these races and uh, someone asked me once, what took me so long between 2012 and uh, 2017? Why five years? And the honest answer is, it's hard to get into all the races in a calendar year. Um, like we talked about, I'm not a, a 230 marathoner. I do have a little bit of speed in me, so I was able to qualify in for most of them. Uh, but then, you know, like everyone, London and Tokyo, I needed for you know, the lotteries to to help me out. And this year, the, the two lotteries lined up for me. Um, so that's how i connect with a lot of folks is you know it's a little bit of luck you know it's some talent but a little bit of luck that uh you get these races lined up in a calendar year and then you hope things like mother nature don't happen or injury uh and so for me it was just you know it took 5 years in in the making but really glad to get it done and and when i share my story i think most most runners that listen to your podcast they can all relate you know when the tokyo lottery comes out or the lot, the london lottery comes out we're all hoping to make it and you know if we don't then there's always that charity option and having been a charity runner in the past uh, I'm able to connect with uh, those runners that know that you know sometimes running is uh, not the most important thing but it's it's running for a good cause
0: that's interesting cuz i just had assumed because you work for Abbott Abbott Laboratories that you had somehow gotten some sort of like golden ticket <laughs> into some of these marathons no
1: that'd be great if i did but no i mean it, we we still have the lottery system, and Abbott needs to maintain its integrity uh, and just can't favor one employee over all the other employees. Or, as you can just guess, that would cause all sorts of issues. So uh, Abbott does keep their, its integrity in ensuring that even with uh, their internal process of a lottery, uh, that they follow the, all the rules to make sure there's no favoritism.
0: Right. All right. So, so going back in time now, um, you know, this is Veterans, you know, Veterans Day is in a couple of days. When you were younger, you decided to go to West Point. What, what was the, uh, the impetus behind that decision, and how did that decision end up impacting your life? Uh,
1: so it was pretty easy. My dad was in the Army. He was uh, a full colonel in the Army, uh, so he was a, a lifer. But really, all the, fault bl- all the fault falls on my oldest brother, who went to the Air Force Academy. Uh, as soon as he set the bar of going to the Academy or the Air Force Academy, all of us wanted to you know, one-up him. And, as we all know, West Point is better than the Air Force Academy. So, so uh, that was my, my doing, was going to, uh, to West Point to serve our country uh, in the Army.
0: And when you, went, when you went there, did you go in with certain goals in mind, for both short-term and long-term, especially given your family's background with the services? Yeah,
1: so, I mean, every West Point cadet will tell you their short-term goal is to graduate. Uh, it's four years mm-hmm. that are really challenging um, mentally, physically and, you know, on all those fronts. So you have to get through all that. So, uh, that, I mean, that's your short term goal is to learn as much as you can to make yourself the best army officer uh, that you can be. And then long term, uh, define your way through uh, the army and, and find your place and how you can contribute to uh, defending uh, you know, America and our freedoms. And for you, what did that entail? Uh, so I was an infantry officer. I served with the 10th Mountain Division, and then ultimately end up in the special operations community, uh, serving as an officer in the First Ranger Regiment, or the First Battalion, uh, 75th Ranger Regiment. Okay, so you were
0: you were an Army yep. Ranger. So what was that like in terms of uh, going through the various, you know, challenges to become an Army
1: Ranger? Uh, it was great. Uh, Ranger school was uh, very tough. Um, anyone who goes through it will attest to that it's one of those uh, life-changing experiences you test your body uh, to its limits and then beyond Uh, and for me that was great graduating ranger school with a lot of my classmates from west point but then ultimately being uh, or trying out for and then ultimately being selected uh, for the first ranger battalion was was truly an honor Um, and that was probably the best experience i had in my life serving with uh, those men for over two years.
0: Now, when you go into, um, and pardon my, pardon my ignorance. In this. So when you, when you're preparing to go, when you going into army ranger school and, and all the things that's going to entail physically, emotionally, and, and, uh, mentally, you know, given your background at West Point, do you feel like you went in there with as much preparation as you could? Or is there is there a certain amount that you're never going to be able to prepare for with something that grueling and
1: challenging? Yeah, you're never going to be fully prepared because you, you never – you don't know what your limitations are. And uh, the ranger instructors do a great job finding your limitations and forcing you to move past them. So as much as you try to, to push, sit, run – know, ruck, marge, you know, and prepare. You never are fully prepared for the experience. And, and that's why they do it. They do it to to make sure that when you get in those situations in, real, uh, in the real world, uh, that you know how to react. And you know that your body can do much more uh, than what you think it can do.
0: And that's a huge thing. And that's something that, I mean, even when I was younger, my dad played football for one of those those classic taskmaster Coaches, right? Yeah. Who you know? Who you drilled? You drilled? You drilled? You until um, basically so you couldn't stand up anymore. With that same sort of mantra in mind, that you can do so much more than you think you can. I remember my dad telling me that so many times when I was younger. Not because he was trying to instill it necessarily, but it was just kind of retelling his story. And I, you know, you hear that even now with ultra runner David Goggins, yep. um, who you might yep. be familiar with, um, you know, who says basically uh, the same thing in uh just in a different way. He says, when you think you're, when you think you're done, you're really only 40, percent of the way there. And with all of that being said for you, even at, at that young age, what were some of the things that you had to do in your own head to kind of overcome those physical, mental, and emotional challenges?
1: well that, that's all. That's a, that's a, I guess it's a whole book about that <laughs> I, mean, I mean I mean there are just so many things that they they pushed us through, but I mean it, it is those the simple things of understanding your body uh, uh, understanding hypothermia, understanding when your body stops shivering that that's not a good thing and how to to push past that and get your body to to keep functioning and working and remembering you know all your training and looking for those small you know indicators of what are those breaking points and how do you you mitigate them and same thing with sleep deprivation right and how, how do you work through that and different goofy tips and tricks that you pick up along the way but sooner or later your body does succumb to sleep deprivation and I know there's a ton of great ultra runners out there that talk about running for seventy two hours straight I mean those are those are rare feats out there not everyone can do those so um, it's just knowing what you can do and um, and pushing yourself, but also knowing what's a healthy limit to, you know, to push your body to.
0: Well, Mike, you're one of those special ultra runners <laughs> as well. So it's funny you bring that up. Uh, in May in 2010, you did something extraordinary, uh, similar to what you just mentioned. So one of your colleagues was diagnosed with cancer, um, and then as part of an effort to, uh, to raise money uh, on her behalf, You end up raising $50,000, I don't know if it was you or just you and the rest of your team, um, for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And you went out and set the Guinness Book of World Records for most miles in a single week, 408 miles um, in a total of 77 hours of running time. So how did you go from, hey, let's help out. Let's do something for this. You know, I think it was Julie was her name. Yep. Um, let's do something for Julie and then it going to this completely different level. It, it Walk me through your thinking um, as you're kind of progressing through uh, deciding what to do um, in this, uh, in that time.
1: So, I mean, it is that escalation of trying to figure out how to use a gift um, to make a difference. And so, um, I was running with Team and Training, which raises money for Leukemia Lymphoma Society, um, doing marathons. And, you know, and it was a modest amount you'd have to raise. I believe it was 1500 to $2,000. Um, and it was great, great experience. But the problem was I wasn't sure if we were making a big enough impact. And so a bunch of friends and I came up with a, a few ideas. And the first one we came up with was running from San Diego to Phoenix uh, that year, um, so we would start on the 1st of January and I would run all the way to Phoenix, um, and, end at the, um, rock and roll, the Phoenix rock and roll marathon. Um, and so again, our goal is to create awareness and, and, and raise money. And so by running to Phoenix, it wasn't just a run. It was, we would stop along the way to houses of individuals or children that had just come home from the hospital and, and drop off gifts and let them know that they aren't forgotten because they're out of a hospital. And, that people are still out there raising money and, and creating awareness for uh, their fight against cancer. And we also visited hospitals and met with doctors and um, nurses and, and many of the patients getting treatment. So, you know, we could brighten up their day a bit. And, and also just wanted to say thank you to the doctors and nurses for all their hard work. And so while we were on our way to Phoenix, um, the, the folks from Guinness World Records contacted us and said, that they did have a record on their books from a a gentleman in the UK who had set the record for most miles in seven days. Uh, They asked us if we'd like to try to challenge that, but we'd have to do it in a different event. And so that's what the event you're talking about in May, we set out uh, using the last 13 miles of the San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon course uh, to set the record at, at 4.08. And again, everyone talks about the miles, and the miles I'm proud of what I did that week, um, but the one thing I, I encourage everyone to do is to raise the money for a charity by using your gifts. Um, at the end of that, that journey, we raised 50000 but in the year, we raised $80,000 for uh, the San Diego chapter of Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And so that's what I'm really most proud about is the amount of money we raised for a great cause. Um, so I'll talk more about that than I will about the miles because I think raising money for good causes is something that that's admirable. And I, I hope I inspire someone out there to do it for their local uh, cause that they want to make a positive impact upon.
0: No, that's a great point in my, uh, you know, this I do this podcast on the side. It's something I love to do, but my actual my actual job is I'm a major gift officer at Providence College, and my job is as a fundraiser. is to bring in major gifts to the college. So I'm definitely aware of the philanthropic side, and especially when you're talking about trying to have impact on people's lives through philanthropy and through philanthropic work, it really is uh, it really is wonderful work. So thank you for everything you did um, then and since. And with that being said, so. Did you have these sort like this sort of um uh, event in mind already when you know when your colleague was diagnosed <laughs> and this was just kind of like all right now I was already planning on this or was it just something that that was like the
1: turning point and you just took it from there? absolutely not there was, <laughs> that was the furthest thing from my mind uh the way it came about was uh, a bunch of coworkers wanted to do something for, her, and uh someone had found out about the team and training program and said you know, if we raise the money, Mike, will you run the miles? And and that's how I started getting involved with team and training. And then as I got more and more involved with uh, the weekend runs with team and training, going to various charity events with them, I saw the difference they were making uh, on the world, especially the San Diego community. And it it really inspired me. That's what I said to inspired me to think about how I could raise more money um, for them by using my gifts. And that's how. The idea of running from San Diego to Phoenix surfaced. And then uh, during that journey, the Guinness World Record um, idea surfaced after they contacted us and had spawned. But yeah, going into 2010, there was no vision whatsoever of running two major events. It was all about just running a few marathons and ultra marathons that then turned into something really good.
0: So when you were, see, most people who do team and training, it seems like there is this a, dis, there is a disconnect between the impact they're trying to make and what they're currently doing. Some people may know someone who has cancer. I guess we all do. Yep. Um, but they're not necessarily visiting people who just came home from the hospital or p- visiting people in hospitals, and you kind of took it to that level. So when you had those kinds of conversations, was it – kind of obviously you must have gained a lot from it, but they must have been wondering, you know, what's, what's up with this guy? What's he doing? What is he doing?
1: Uh, No, I mean, I, I, I think I gained more than anyone else. Right. Because I got a chance to to meet the families, the doctors and nurses, Uh, and something special. we got to meet a lot of the scientists, uh, especially out of scripts. There is a lot of research being done there and it was a great treat to meet a lot of the uh, scientists behind the cancer research and for them to explain to us how their research works and how, you know, one team is looking at bone cancers. But as soon as they have a breakthrough, you know, they share it with the blood cancer teams or the testicular cancer groups. But everyone learns from each other, and it's a very uh, close group that as they have a breakthrough on one side, the other sides uh, try to use that. So it was very interesting for me to learn uh, from the scientists about that. And one of the things that um, I took away as a runner is – how much failure those scientists go through. Uh, as runners, we, we post on Instagram or Facebook when we have a bad run, and you know it happens occasionally to us So we have a bad 20-mile or a bad you know, speed workout. But these, doctor, these scientists go into the office looking for a breakthrough every day and ultimately fail every day. I mean, they have setbacks. But the great thing is they get up the next day and go back into that lab and keep at it. So I admire them so much. And I try to take that into my running life that here are scientists trying to find cures for cancer. And ultimately every day they're going to come up short. They might have inch ups, but they'll they keep getting a little bit closer, but not the cure. So if they can do that, then gee, some runner who has a bad run on a random Tuesday definitely can get up on Wednesday and run, especially when you have the the inspiration of those, uh, those scientists out there looking to find those cures and, and everything they're doing. That makes a lot of sense.
0: And yet at the same time, it's easy to say that when we're sitting here in the comfort of our living room yeah. or sitting on the couch and, you know, we're just kind of enjoying life. It's a whole nother thing to take that sort of cool and calculated rationality and apply it when you're out there suffering on a run and you, you know, you feel like your next step is going to be your last and, you know, all you want to do is just lie down or or take yeah. a nap or, or something like that. So when you are in the throes of, you know, so you're running more than 50 miles a day during that time. So when you're in the, the the very low points of that experience, what were some of the things that helped you, like specifically helped you kind of get through those moments to, uh, to, either, to either get to baseline or to kind of get back up to like the, the running highs that can really propel you forward.
1: So it's very simple. My team made a sign in on the way to Phoenix, they made a sign that said, 500 miles is easier than chemo. Oh, that's great. And, and so that's, I mean, that would, honestly, that, that sign still sits in my house. I will always remember it. I will always have it. And it's true. Uh, I mean, having never had chemo, but sat with folks who have, had uh, close friends that have gone through it. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, running is, you know, no matter what the mileage is, you can stop, you can sit down, you can take a break and get your breath, but man, when you have to get chemo, it's not that easy. So yeah, the sign 500 miles is easier than chemo. That, that, that gives me no excuses to, to stop.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And you didn't stop because then two years later, as you mentioned, you tried your first Abbott, um, marathon, Abbott world marathon majors, as you mentioned, that used to be just five races as opposed to six. Um, they added the six in 2013. So, you're going through it, first of all, we'll go into like obviously Hurricane Sandy happens and then they cancel the New York Marathon. But in the two years between almost two years, so basically a year and a half between your world record um 408 miles to all right, you're gonna start up the uh the Abbott Marathon Championships here. What, was, what caused you to say, all right, this is going to be my next adventure? And this is a long-winded question, but I'm going to read back a quote to you that you said. I was reading in an article, and this is, this is, your, this is you talking here. It said, uh, it sounds silly, but to live life, you sign up to experience the challenge, to do something others won't do to see if you can. And for me, it's about the self-exploration and the fun and adventure of it. I don't want to be the guy saying, I thought about doing this. Just go and do it.
1: Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I like that guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why did you just go and do this? Right? So, so
1: so honestly, again, it, it was a neat challenge. Um, so the Abbott World Marathon majors back in 2010-11 uh, was just being done by the elites. Uh, they were chasing the million-dollar purse. Um, I, I knew I was never in the running for the million-dollar purse, but – I had never heard of anyone who had done all the majors back in 2011. Um, I had gotten into all of them. Uh, Again, uh, I got in uh, various means. In London, I got through a charity bib. uh, But all the other ones I got into, and so I I wanted to do it. And, you know, it wasn't to chase the million dollars because there was no way I was going to win any of these things for the points because points don't obviously go down to, you know, the thousands position, right? I mean, they give out points to the top players. So, But I just wanted to do it. I wanted to kind of experience what the elites experienced in my own way, right? No one knew who I was. No one was inviting me to anything. And so it was, you know, me and uh, my mom would tag along to some of the races or friends would tag along. And, but, but that was it, you know. And so it was, it was a challenge for me to see if I could put them all together and, and, and experience what the elites experienced in, in their year of racing. And
0: given that you had already put together such an amazing feat from that 400, I'm assuming that it wasn't a test of, like, can I actually run five marathons in a calendar year since you had done much more than that in, in one week. Was the, was the major challenge just being able to, to put in the kind of mileage over the course of an entire
1: calendar year to sustain it? So I'm going to say something, and it's going to be a little embarrassing. I used the Abbott World Marathon majors that year as – training runs because I was doing multiple ultras that year to include Western States. Uh, and so I was doing the big heavy mileage anyway. And so why not run some fun races and, and get the mileage that I needed for those 150 mile races I was doing that year. So not to sound totally silly, I, I was, I was using them as, as training runs as well as, like I said, taking my mom on trips and also uh, spending time with friends at different races.
0: Oh my goodness! This is like shocking to me. I'm I am blown away. <laughs> it's like I'm thinking about my seven mile run this morning, and I'm really reconsidering um, the amount of pride I take in it. <laughs> anyway, so all right. So that that definitely puts a different perspective on it. But that kind of, I guess, jives with what I what I thought coming in was that, you know, because of your history that the running marathon just getting through a marathon wouldn't be the biggest challenge in the world. Obviously, if you're running it for a PR, that's a completely different ball of whack. Yeah. So for any of these, um, did you, and even going to this, did you ever look at any of these avid marathons and say, all right, this one is going to be more than a training one. This one's going to be, I'm going to try to make something, something special out of this one.
1: So Berlin uh, in 2012 was something special because I had a friend and she was trying to qualify for Boston. And so she knew I was the uh, 340 pacer in Berlin. So um, knowing that she was going to be there and I needed to hit my splits, that was special to me because it was an opportunity for me to help someone achieve their lifetime goal. Um, And so by helping her, by being the pacer out there in Berlin and seeing her, you know, move past me at the last mile marker was great because I knew she was going to qualify for Boston. So that, that was exciting for me. And then, you know, seven days later, coming back and going sub three in Chicago was equally as nice because I knew I had the speed and the and the legs in me. Because we all have, you know, those little goals in our heads, and and a lot of us have whether it's sub four or sub three. You, you just want to hit it, and going sub three is always a nice treat. And being able to do it seven days after pacing a friend to a Boston qualifier was really nice uh, experience for me in, in 2012. But looking at this year. This year was totally a different approach. This was all about the experience and not times. And it was really about getting to meet people, uh, learn about the races and experience um, what I really didn't experience in 2012 because I was focused on uh, times and, and helping some other folks out and that kind of stuff. So 2017 was a totally different approach than 2012.
0: So, so New York gets postponed or canceled, I should yep. say. So that, that stops the, you don't, you don't get to finish it. And I was l- watching a, an interview you did and obviously it was an emotional one. Um, but you, know, you talked about how you talked to your mom afterwards yep. and she was like, Hey, don't worry about it. You'll definitely be able to do it again. And then, uh, and then the next year she passed. Um, yep. so for you, obviously I don't want to get too much into that. You know, that's not my place, but, did that play a part in wanting to to, to try
1: this endeavor again? Uh, most definitely, 100%. Um, I, I mean, it, it, it was um, because my father had already passed, and so after my mom passed, you know, it was just uh, my brothers and me. And so it was, it was something that I wanted to do to go back and, and honor my mom, who was always my biggest advocate. Uh, my dad was a big fan, but we all know that moms play a special role uh, when we all have crazy dreams. Uh, and so for me, it was definitely something I wanted to go back and finish for my mom and um, and, and to honor her. Uh, and what was great about New York, my brothers all felt the same way. And they all showed up to be there this weekend in New York City with me uh, to experience all the festivities, all the fun uh, and 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 all the, the tears, you know, at the end of joy for Uh, for finally achieving something that, you know, uh, my mom definitely would have enjoyed being at this year.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Now, did any of them run with you during any of these races?
1: Uh, So, no, no, but uh, none of them ran this year with me, but I have run either a marathon or an ultra marathon with each of them.
0: Got it. Now, I have to ask a couple questions here, just about these races in particular, because especially when you go back to 2012, so you you do the you know the Berlin marathon. Was it Berlin or London where you where you were the three forty pacer?
1: Uh, Berlin. So, Berlin. So you're
0: Berlin and you come yep. back a week later and do Chicago and you run yep. sub three. So for the sub three hour marathon, coming off, obviously you were had some I would assume tired legs. So when you try to then go out and bust seven minute pace With those tired legs, what is that experience like in terms of like finding your way through the race and getting to getting to your goal pace and staying there and and fighting through whatever
1: you know nastiness your legs are feeling? So uh, I will be very honest. Races that are that close together are much easier than ones that are spaced out because it allows you to just keep them, you know, to train into them, and so. Running a 340, then a 255, a 340 is a great trainer for a 255. So I have to honestly give the pacers in Chicago all the credit um, because I lined up with, um, you know, the 305 pacer, you know, and then as I got to, um, you know, about the 7, 8-minute mile mark, I picked it up, chased down the 3-hour pacer, uh, rode off his shoulder or the team's shoulder, uh, for quite a distance, and then when uh, I got somewhere on the on the south side of Chicago, I, I opened it up because I needed. I wanted to just chip away, and it, it turned out to be a really good day, and everything worked out. But again, as much as I would love to steal a credit on being an outstanding pacer, uh, I have to give all the credit to the Chicago Marathon pacer. And if you ever need to to trust a pacer, the Chicago Marathon pacers are outstanding. They still are today. Uh, but those those teams of pacers really helped me make sure i was able to move through my uh my splits pretty evenly and then uh, ultimately achieve the sub three yeah
0: that makes sense especially if you're able to kind of like zone out and just let let someone else kind of grab the wheel for you
1: oh yeah most definitely that helps on the mental side of it
0: all right so i want to ask you a bunch of questions here they're kind of like uh I don't know, kind of a speed round, I guess. Kind of quick questions. You don't necessarily have to have quick answers, but um, someone who has a the extensive running background that you have, I'd love to hear some of what you have to say. I guess first of all is you talked a little bit about motivation earlier uh, during races and during some of these extreme challenges that you've done. But just from a day-to-day perspective or whenever you're just kind of not feeling it, what motivates you or who motivates you in your running?
1: Uh, so uh... – as a single guy, right, I live alone. <laughs> uh, that, that is the big question is how you get the door. Um, and one of the things that um, my brother uh, always tells me is the next champion isn't waiting, right? He or she's not waiting, so you got to get out that door. Uh, if you want to skip, fine. No one's here. No one will know, right? If I skip a workout on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. no one will know except for that person I'm racing against they'll know because they'll have the extra step on me. So it's on me to get out that door because I have no one to blame but myself. And that's one of the things I love about um, distance running is it's all on us. Um, we can blame fuel. We can blame bad weather. We can make up excuses all day. But deep down inside, you know, it's us putting in those miles at those hard times. And so for me, I, I think my brother's saying, you know, the next champion, he or she's not waiting. So need to get out that door. So it's kind of trying to focus it back on yourself. It's kind
0: of that extreme, um, extreme accountability. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. When's the last time you had a race where you went into it fully prepped and ran as absolutely as hard as you could?
1: Oh, uh, wow. I would say Tokyo. Tokyo this year was probably the one I was best prepped for. Um, and I went in and, and just, you know, was able to run it without a lot of pressure or, or a lot of distraction. And what was the time? Uh, 304 Oh, this flying
0: all right so I see some of your running posts um, on social media and the thing that always shocks me is the heart rate attached <laughs> to your running it's like insanely low for given the paces that you run um, so I so I have to ask does heart rate play a part in how you either judge your running or your workout plan or is that just something that's you know your watch measures it so you just take note of it
1: uh, say it again. I missed the question. Uh,
0: you, Sorry. So for you, do you use heart rate as a met, as a metric when you're trying to plan your training?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, heart rate has helped me a ton. Um, uh, where I learned it was uh, by, you know, studying a lot of the, the great ultra runners out there, Scott Jurek and those guys. Uh, you know, they use that heart rate to help you manage the hills. And so for me, uh, running... Um, You know, and watching my heart rate helps me know that it's going to sound odd. You're not going to die. If your heart rate's low and you're struggling, just push it a bit, right? It's your body will react accordingly. And um, and when I started to run ultras, you know, it was 155, right, was my threshold of on this hill, I'm going to start walking when I hit 155. And as soon as you're under 155, you got to pick up running again. So it's those kind of techniques and tips you learn about your body of how you want to push it that. That does help you as an athlete just fine-tune yourself for uh, race day. So with that being said, do you ever find
0: yourself doing track workouts or speed work or do you mostly stay in the aerobic zone two method?
1: Nope. I focus a lot on track workout. Um, I am a big fan of Yasso's 800s. I know there's a lot of talk about, are they really good or bad? Uh, Bart Yasso, I mean, I think he's he has a neat technique on the, the 800s and I started doing those a long time ago to qualify for Boston the first time. And uh, by doing those 10-800s, I mean, it's just for me, it's as much mental as it is physical. So I do enjoy uh, the track workouts. And so, yeah, so I do find myself at the track. And and it's a neat time for you to see other folks who are running or training for the local races and to be able to connect with your uh, community run group. So for me, I, I love the track.
0: And that, and that's another question I was going to ask in terms of community run group, because given how long you run for, is, do you have like a community that you can stick with from a local perspective, or is it something that it's more of a digital running group that you can connect with, given that most people won't be able to hang with the kind of miles you put in?
1: Uh, so I do have run groups. Um, I love to, because uh, I travel a lot uh, for work, uh, but out here in Chicago, um, I run with DW Running, Um, on San Diego, I run with Makili Jones, a triathlon and her team. Uh, so that's, that's a big group. And when I'm in Minnesota, uh, with the mill city runners. So, I mean, I, I, do find those groups to run with and they all, you know, they all know I'm kind of a ghost because I'll show up and I might not come back for a month or two months, but, uh, I will always come back and train with those men and women who are out there. But yeah, having run groups is I think so key to any of us runners because one, it connects you to other people who are uh, putting in the miles, but also you, know, you learn from them. And, and I've been blessed to be able to have some pretty great talent on all those teams to learn from. And, you know, like you said, and sometimes just to get your, your butt kicked by them.
0: And you seem like the kind of guy who is very, who is very energetic. You have to have a lot of energy to do some of the things that you've done throughout your life. Is that, just your general energy level have you always have you felt like that was at a different level than some of your peers uh growing up and even to this day or how would you measure that compared to the people you know
1: no i think my energy i mean i feed off other people right so uh i mean i think it's pretty normal my brothers all think i, I <laughs> i'm a bit on the extreme side but uh i mean yeah i do feed off the positive energy of other folks and and, and i do find uh you know that excitement in other people that are putting challenges out there, you know, who are, who, who are making, you know, you know, the new goals for them. And, and what I like watching the ultra community um, you're watching people aren't talking about hundred mile races anymore. They're now talking about the 200 mile races. Uh, you're not talking about what I call the Abbott slam of doing all the Abbott world marathon majors in a calendar year. They're talking about doing them all in a calendar year, but all under three hours. So it's, it's fun to watch, uh, people come up with these ideas, and, and I find that exciting. So, yeah, my energy—I do feed off the energy of of those innovations, those evolutions, and those folks in our sport who are who are pushing those barriers.
0: And are there certain events or barriers that you're looking to push?
1: Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking to get back to doing the 12 and 24 hour races. Uh, I really found a, a true passion for those uh, when I was doing ultras. That you know, there's something very cool about a one mile loop doing it for 12 hours straight, the mental, you know, the the speed you got to do with it, the fact you're seeing people. And, you know, so I do find those courses to be a a lot of fun as much as the trail races. But like I said, I think there's a little more gamesmanship in the 12 and 24 hour races because you see your competitors all the time.
0: And if you were going to run one more race, which one would it be?
1: Oh, my God. Just one more race.
0: Yeah, maybe you could run it more than once. I'm not going to uh, end your running career, but if you had uh, only one more race for the rest of your life, which one would it be?
1: Wow, that is the best question someone's asked me. One race the rest of my life. Well, I, I uh, yeah, it would, I would say UTMB. Oh, that, that, okay. Yeah, that, that just because it's so challenging cuts through so many countries international field i mean it's a true ultra they have great aid stations i mean different than what we have in the us but definitely utmb
0: oh what a good one that's a great one all right so i got a so in 2015 fortune magazine reviewed <laughs> you number 21 um, so this is great so in 2015 27 million people worked at fortune top 500 companies Fifty five were profiled for their bravery, kindness, kindness, and selflessness in changing people's lives. Out of those twenty seven million people, you are just put number twenty one on that list for yeah. those categories, which is Mike, that really is amazing. And I, I know you're not you've gone out of your way to try to be humble on this podcast, but let me just do it for you. That really is amazing. So for somebody who is trying to make an impact either at a micro level or a macro level what's some advice that you would give to somebody who looks at their life and says, you know what? I can be more. I can do more. I'm just not sure how or where to begin.
1: Uh, You have a gift. Everyone has a gift. Um, Use your gift. You know what your gift is. Uh, There might be voices around you uh, that are telling you, you can't do anything with it. Ignore them. Use your gift and do something positive with it. Uh, Whether it's like you said, at the micro level in your community, Uh, In your building, um, in your neighborhood, use your gift to do good. Uh, Like I said, your gift can be anything. I I am not a gifted runner. As my brothers say, I have the gift to endure pain and push through it. Um, And I just translate that into running long distances. Um, But there are gifted artists out there, musicians, uh, teachers, you know, all sorts of walks of life, athletic talents. Use any of your gift. Um, to make a difference in one person's life and, you know, go for it, right? And ignore those voices around you because there's all sorts of doubters around you. And that was the one of the favorite things about uh, the Guinness World Record for me was there was a sports reporter in, in San Diego who, when he first met me, goes, I hate to break it to you, but you're not going to make it past Wednesday. He says, I've seen a lot of runners. I know runners. You just don't have the build for it. And it was great, and he was so cool that – he came back every day. And when I finished it, he goes, You beat the odds. You beat, you impressed me. And, and so those, there are negative folks out there, but they're, they're just not maybe intentionally being negative, but they have seen other people do it. And if you don't look the shape or the build or, or have the approach or mannerisms, it's not a wrong thing, but go prove it. Go make a difference. So, my answer, long winded answer to your, your question is you have a gift, use it to make a difference on the world even if the world is just one person.
0: Mike, this has been great. Thank you thank you so much for taking the time. I will say if anyone wants to follow you like I do on Instagram, your handle is MikeWMM. Um, thank you for everything you do. Is there anything you want to say before we get going?
1: No, nope. keep, keep using your gifts and having fun. And like I said, uh, I'm always out here to, to chat with anybody about running or anything fun. So, yeah, hit me up and we can uh, talk or we can go for a run. Sounds great, Mike. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Bye.